Blog Talk Radio.
So visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on The Bottom Line with Joey L on Evolution Radio. Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states. As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract. Which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, the black slaves prior to the conclusion of the Civil War were legally considered to be property with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people, only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both the 13th and 14th Amendments. You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept. It was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. 
the 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person, but being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of free-born American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States and secondly to the state in which they lived. They had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. The 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States, with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States, and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution. The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents. The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state, which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, 
The only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes, and we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well, along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers. Those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club, yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. on Evolution Radio. Let's first take a look at the ratification of the amendment because this is a matter of controversy that um, got me into a lot of trouble for raising it in uh, the Reconstruction chapter of my, my American history book. But I'm only repeating a, a totally mainstream interpretation. I found it hilarious. People never even heard of this before. The argument that the 14th Amendment was not constitutionally ratified. I mean, this, the old National Review used to just take this for granted. I mean, old, you know, old conservative publications, libertarians, all, all understood this. Uh, in the 1950s, U.S. News and World Report published an editorial saying, of course, we all know the 14th Amendment wasn't legitimately ratified. I mean, this was just sort of common knowledge. Now I say it today, and I get like Max Boot saying, oh my gosh, where did Woods get this crazy idea? Like I just invented it. Sort of funny. Well, let's look at, at what is the claim being made here. There are a few factors to take note of when we look at the ratification of the 14th Amendment. First, we have the fact that uh, to, the, the amendment was proposed in Congress and two-thirds of, of, of the people present voted to, uh, to, to approve the amendment. And then it gets, then it gets, passed, it gets uh, sent out to the states, and then three-quarters of the states have to ratify the amendment for it to uh, take effect. Well, one thing we can note about the passage of the 14th Amendment is that it was not, shall we say, entirely without blemish. At the time that the amendment was uh, set to be voted on and, and discussed, John P. Stockton, 
was a newly elected senator from New Jersey. And he was known to be an opponent of the 14th Amendment. And he took his seat, duly took his seat in the U.S. Senate at the beginning of the 39th Congress. Well, informal canvassing of, of uh, senators made quite clear that there was no two-thirds majority in favor of the amendment at that time. Uh, in fact, it turned out that the amendment would have been one vote short of passage. So, a motion was introduced uh, not to seat John Stockton. But he's already been seated. This is the problem. He's already been seated. So you can't really vote not to seat somebody who has been seated. If he's been seated you're supposed, and you want to get rid of him for one reason or another, you have to vote to expel him. But expulsion requires uh, a two-thirds vote. They didn't have a two-thirds vote <laughs> to expel him. So they voted not to seat somebody who had already been seated. Okay? I mean, it's sort of like, you know, how can something be both A and not A at the same time and in the same manner? So they voted not to seat this man who had already been seated. Uh, and then they went ahead and voted to approve the 14th Amendment. Now that's, you know, it's really not legal. It's right, not, not a proper procedure. But that's, that's actually the least of the problems associated with the amendment. Then it goes out to the states. Now Tennessee ratifies the amendment. But here's how Tennessee ratified the amendment. The problem that was occurring in Tennessee was that opponents of the amendment were refusing to show up at the state house uh, and thereby preventing a quorum. Okay, I mean, you have to have a certain minimum number of people present in order to conduct business. Well, opponents of the amendment thought one way to prevent its ratification is just not to show up, and then they wouldn't have a quorum. Well, in order to get a quorum, uh, two of the anti-amendment Tennessee legislators were actually kidnapped and forcibly brought to the state house and, and declared to be present so that the vote could take place. Now, there are some sticklers, you know, who think that kidnapping is immoral, uh, you know, who, who would throw, you know, some doubt on this, the legality of this. And the f thing is that when, the, when the, the House Speaker called the roll, well, these two uh, representatives refused to answer. They refused to, to, to say they were present because in their mind, they weren't, you know, spiritually, they weren't present. They were only there, uh, uh, you know, under duress, I mean, really by force. So they refused to answer the roll, but nevertheless, they were declared present so that the, the, the amendment could be ratified. In Oregon, there was a situation that was at least as irregular as that one. In Oregon, you had a case where the legislature of Oregon voted on the amendment, and they voted to approve the amendment. But then it was discovered that two of the Republicans who had been elected in Oregon had actually not been legally elected. When they actually looked again at the votes, it turned out that Democrats had been elected in those two seats. So two Republicans were removed and replaced by two duly elected Democrats. So some people thought, well, we should re-vote on, on the amendment now, that we have the legitimately elected people present. This time they voted not to approve the amendment. But they were told by the federal government, sorry, we take your first answer. Okay. <laughs> New Jersey. Now, New Jersey and Ohio, the irregularities there, are it's not quite so clear-cut. I mean, obviously in Oregon there's no, that's, uh, there's no excuse for that. And in Tennessee, there's obviously no excusing that. New Jersey and Ohio is not quite so clear-cut, but arguably there's at least some kind of irregularity here because both of these states rescinded their ratifications. And they rescinded them, though, before the amendment went into effect. It was still being voted on by other states. I mean, you could argue that if the amendment has already gone into effect, 
and then you vote to rescind your ratification. It is probably too late, but arguably they may at least have had some right to, to withdraw. But they were told once again, sorry, we take your first answer. And New Jersey in particular, at the time that they attempted to withdraw their ratification, they actually announced, they said that we, have a, we are fearful that this amendment has been worded ambiguously with deliberate intent so that in the future it can be used to deprive us of our liberties. Very interesting. Well, the most fundamental reason, though, that there was an illegality involved here is that here you had the southern states, which they, they ratified the 13th Amendment in 1865, abolishing slavery. No one had any problem with them then. 1867 rolls along. The radical Republicans in Congress, who are the wing of the Republican Party who favor you know, a very harsh settlement with the South, now that they're in power, in 1867, they declare the, the uh, other than Tennessee, they like Tennessee because Tennessee ratified the 14th Amendment, but other than Tennessee, the other former states of the Confederacy, the other 10 states, were declared in 1867 to be illegal, without legal governments. And they're going to be militarily occupied, they're going to be divided into five military districts, they're going to be deprived of self-government, they're going to have, in effect, martial, military courts open. Uh, so that was all declared in 1867. That was said about the southern states. But at the same time, these same states were told, you have to ratify an amendment to the Constitution. Now they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Because either they're legal states or they're not. If they are legal states, then you shouldn't be occupying them with the military. Uh, if they're not legal states, then you can't ask them to ratify an amendment to the Constitution because they're not legal states. I mean, you may as well ask France to ratify an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It would be perfectly irrelevant. So in other words, you're depriving them of all the privileges of statehood, but nevertheless you're going to impose on them one of the burdens of statehood. You're going to actually demand that they ratify an amendment to the Constitution when you yourself have just said they're not even legal. The states, as constituted in the South, are not legal. So it's been argued that therefore their votes could not have counted. In no way could an illegal state, by definition, a pr his, that vote for, for the, uh, the amendment be counted as a vote in favor of the, of the amendment. I mean, that, that's, that's not to mention the coercion involved here. I mean, one, there was one congressman who said that um, when, when the 14th Amendment was sent out to the states, Tennessee approved it, but the other 10 uh, southern Confederate states rejected it, it was a northern congressman who said, well, the southern states have rejected the 14th Amendment, so we are going to march upon them at bayonet point until they, they do ratify it. Well, most, you know, most legal principle, principles would have it that a decision that you're forced to make under duress is not legally binding. So, so we have that difficulty as well. And for these reasons and, and even several others, uh, very recently, like early 1990s, Forrest MacDonald concluded that the 14th Amendment was never constitutionally
And then we got, and why do I say that? Because after 46 years and teaching you morons for 23 years, you want to take the easy way out because you think life is a journey. That is horseshit. Life's a journey if you're a moron and you're retarded. That's why, you know, that's what, that's what you've done with the life up heretofore. It's been a journey. And how good is the fucking journey? You tell me. Wouldn't you have rather, when the first time you went out with somebody that you thought you were in love with, thought is the operative word, wouldn't you have lied to have a, a template? Oh, let's follow this process instead of, because that is a journey. And all the mistakes you made and raising this fucking little shithead for kids you got, instead of having this book, life doesn't have to be a journey. It's a journey for morons. Do you think life is a journey for the Trump kids? It's a motherfucking process, the same process his daddy raised him by. Same for me. Life ain't a journey if you're my kid. It's a goddamn process. 
So you tell me if you're results-orientated at all, who's better off, the journey or the process? And for the most part, most people in this room and most people listening on YouTube have to come to the realization, as sad as it is, that you have pissed, you have urinated, heretofore, up until this morning, your entire life down a fucking shithole. Very simple. That's it. If you want to create massive wealth, if you just want to be a happy, slappy housewife from fucking Dundee or a happy, slappy bimbo from fucking Toronto or a happy, slappy guy who goes to the Little League games in Mesa, Arizona, then that's okay. But if you want to create some fucking money, and money's not everything. But if you don't money, think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to fucking shop. Say that with an Irish accent. Okay. If, <laughs> if you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. If you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. Correct. <laughs> uh, correct. And But I mean... You can get money and then go save the world. You can get money and save the forests in Brazil. You make money and go save global warming, which I don't believe in. You can, I mean, and save the, uh, the kids in Biafra and all that shit. But without money, you can't save a fucking thing. Don't you understand? Don't the fucking idiots on YouTube understand that? Until you make some shekels. Until you make some fucking coin. You can't help anybody. Because if love got the job done, you wouldn't all be fucked up. And I've had mothers, daughters, grandfather, daughter, uh, son. I've run three generations of the gamut in this seminar here. And they all say the exact same thing. The daughter looks to the mother, you fucked me up. The, the mother looks to the father, you fucked me up. And they all agree. And where it really gets dicey, it's the second or three day, second or third days after they have a few drinks, a few pops. Then it gets it can get fucking ugly, as Sally would say, fucking ugly. Nothing like a mother to turn on her daughter, or vice versa. Nothing like it. It's like in the fucking movies. It's like a goddamn soap opera. Cause that's life. And if we admit it to ourselves, then we have an opportunity to move on. If we don't, then we're just fucked in the quagmire. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on The Bottom Line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. I found that with depression, one of the most important things you could realize is that you're not alone. You're not the first to go through it. You're not going to be the last to go through it. And oftentimes, it happens. You just you feel like you're alone. And you feel like it's only you. And you're in your bubble. And, and I wish I had someone at that time who, who could just pull me aside and, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So I wish I knew that. Just got to remember. Hold on to that fundamental quality of faith. Have faith. And on the other side of your pain is something good. 
after about a month and a half of staying in that little apartment and cleaning, I got a phone call from the head coach of the team who cut me, the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders. He called me and he said, hey, I know we cut you, but I'd like you to come back. I said, okay, I appreciate that, coach. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll think about it. And he said, okay, great. I hung up the phone and um, my dad said, you're going to do it, right? I said, no, I don't think so. I think I'm done with that. And he goes, what? I said, my gut tells me I'm done. He said, what are you going to do? I took a deep breath. I said, I'd like to get into the business. He said, what business? I said, the wrestling business. He says, you are throwing it all away. It is the worst mistake you will ever make. He said, you're ruining your career. I said, maybe I'll be no good. But I feel like in my heart, I have to do this. And I either need you to train me or need you to not train me. My dad rose to the occasion. Said, I'll train you. And it wound up being one of the greatest chapters in my life. Hi, YouTube. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. There is no mystery God. Absolutely no mystery God. There is no God in the sky, and there is no devil under the ground. Heaven is not in the sky, and hell is not under the ground. Heaven and hell are conditions of the mind, states of existence, and states of being. So Jesus told us to stop looking for heaven in the sky. He said the kingdom of heaven is within you, and that we are the temples of the living God. That the living God lives in our temple, and he does not inhabit the sky, but he inhabits the higher realms of the heavens, of the realm of the secret innermost chamber of the subconscious chamber of the soul of man and woman. And this power bursts forth and emanates forth from him to set in motion a universal order based on principle and law. All of this set in motion by a divine power and a divine force that never dies. It's constant. It just changes forms. God is in man. Can't be in any man. He's got to be in the original man. Because if God is the first and everything comes from Him, then He can't wait for anything else. He brings everything else into existence. There could be no white man if there were no black man. It is biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive white man to produce the dominant yellow baby. Biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive yellow man and woman to produce the dominant brown baby. Biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive brown man and woman to produce the dominant black baby. But that black man and his woman, the father and the mother of it all, can produce black, can produce brown, 
can produce red, can produce yellow. And if the seed runs wild or mutates in the womb of the black woman, can even produce an albino, something which is whiter than white, 180 degrees in either direction.
MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. And that, in fact, this is our land. So beginning with that premise, whether you're more or not more, I'm going to start with what law really is. Most of us think that we go into a courtroom and understand the difference between a court and a courtroom, that uh, the people who purport to use law really use words of art to make you believe, in fact, that law is uh, on the table when you walk into a courthouse or a courtroom, when in fact that's not true. And I would like to share with you tonight, regardless of your religious persuasion, what law really is. Law, and as Muslims would say, all law, is A-L-L space L-A-W, all law. All law. So for anyone who's of a Christian persuasion, don't be misled. And when you hear the term all law, all law is God, all right, that is also what we would say in lawful terms, a misnomer. All law is not God. God has no capacity and no standing to all law. Because God means governmental ordinance departments. There is no comparison. Now, who can use law? Law can only be used by people who are in their sovereign capacity. And I was, as I will share with you tonight, the majority of the people in the world, and I'm not going to get into all of the details about that, but the majority of the people in the world, 99% of them live in slavery today. So in 1863, via the Emancipation Proclamation, and I challenge you to go look in a law dictionary and look up the definition of emancipation and proclamation, and you will see that a proclamation is not a law. A proclamation is a public announcement by elected officials. It is not a law. So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 did not set any slaves free. What it did was standardize slavery the United States being the model for the standardization of slavery that all of the other nations around the world, as they reduced their people from their sovereign capacity and forced them to join nation states, then they were able to issue statute, codes, ordinances, resolutions on them. And a statute, as in a state statute of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, is not a law. It is corporate policy of the corporation that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated. All right? Now, a code is not a law. 
the United States Code, the Code of the Laws of the United States of America that are used in federal court and the Supreme Court are not law. They are what they say they are. They are codes, ordinances, and resolutions of a municipality of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation that calls itself the city of Philadelphia, an ordinance and a resolution, as in parking ordinances, they are not law. They are what they say they are. They are ordinances and they are resolutions. All right? And the reason they are not law is because the only people who can issue law are people who are acting in their sovereign capacity. And the people who sit in these seats as elected officials are not, in fact, in their sovereign capacity. They are in a corporate ward status, meaning that they are wards of the state. They are members of the corporation, which is a nonprofit, that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And as long as they have a birth certificate on record with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, with that birth certificate being a contract, a birth certificate is a contract, and as long as you have a contract with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, you belong to them, and that's what slavery really is. All right? So who can use law? If you are a member of a corporate ward state, if you are a member of a corporate ward nation that calls itself the United States of America, you are a citizen. Look in the law dictionary and look up the definition of citizen. A citizen is not a sovereign. A resident is not a sovereign. Therefore, if you use an address, which is a fictitious number associated with a designation issued by a corporate ward, right? Then you become under the jurisdiction of those people who are also corporate wards but who are also slaveholders, all right? So if you are operating in that capacity, law does not apply to you. If you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, and you say you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, then the ordinances and the resolutions of that private, nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the statutes of that nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the code of the laws, right, apply to you. But if you are a sovereign of the Moorish Empire, those ordinances, those resolutions, those codes, those statutes do not apply to you because you are not a member of the corporate ward state. It's as simple as that. And they understand the difference. This is why on their documents they use words of art. They use the word label. They use the word person. They use the word address. All of these things that place you in their jurisdiction and you unknowingly fill out forms every day and every time you fill out a form, you enter into a contract. I don't care what kind of form it is. It's a contract. A driver's license application is a contract. A social security application is a contract. When you call up the telephone company and you make a verbal contract over the telephone, 
This is why they can bill you. When you sign a deed, it is a contract. When you fill out a voter registration form, it is a contract. Does everybody understand that? Don't ever think. Every, anything that you put your signature on becomes a contract. All right? Now, the fact that you are not in your sovereign status means that you make a contract as a minor. They don't care. They know you are a minor because and, and to be other than a minor, you have to be in your proper person at law. And how we write that is this. Can you bear with me for a minute and let me put this on because uh, I can't. Can y'all see that? Impropria persona. Impropria persona. When you are in your corporate ward status, you look like this to the court. Pro se. Pro se meaning they get you in the court and they bring someone in called a Got that? Pro se cuter. A prosecutor because you're in a corporate board status. Now, if you're in appropriate persona, say in their criminal allegations, the prosecutor cannot come into the courtroom and say anything to you because you're not in pro se status. Makes sense, right? The issues of law, the issues of law are threefold. The issues of law are status, jurisdiction, and adjudication. The first thing that happens when you walk into a courtroom in your corporate ward status is that they already make the assumption that you are a ward of the state and that you don't know any better. So they immediately start adjudicating you. As much, the first thing that happens when we walk into a courtroom is that we place our status on the record. On the record. We come in with our flag. We come in with our treaty, we come in with the Constitution we signed with them, and understanding that the Constitution is a contract. It's Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the New Evolution Radio Network. Have you ever stood and stared at it, marveled at its beauty, its genius? Billions of people just living out their lives, oblivious. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that 
we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus. Evolution. Like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. The human beings are a disease. A cancer of this planet. You are a plague. And we are the cure. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place. This zoo. This prison. This reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I have somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive. Isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key. My key. There are people that's awake, and there's people asleep. Now, most people on this planet are asleep. So, let's break it to the least common denominator. Let's say the black community. We, it used to they say 5%. <laughs> no, it's like old point something now. That's right. You see, that's asleep. So you're going to be lonely because the simple fact that people are asleep. Now, how is this? You have a chakra system in your body. And these are nine wheels of consciousness. 
most, uh, excuse me, seven wheels of consciousness. There's like 160 chakras, but seven major chakras, just like there's seven African powers. <clears throat> now, what has happened here to give you a scientific element of what's going on so you can clear this up so you don't have to go and be trying to holler at somebody and they laugh at you and they don't want to hear that shit. Because your family will beat you down and niggas in the street will beat you down. You're going to try to give them a message. <laughs> now, <laughs> have you around here crazy. Now, the chakra system, the lowest chakra is your sacral vertebrae. That's your root chakra. And that's where the majority of the people's um, consciousness is, on the root chakra. So the only thing that they can get down with is desires. What feels good, what tastes good, what smells good, what looks good, what sounds good. Yes. You see, the, Lord the basic sen uh, senses, you see, on that particular level, they are called the automatons, which means automation. Okay. They moving, but they ain't, they're brain dead. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, you don't even get into this particular consciousness that you can partake to understand what things is until you're radiating from the heart chakra. Mm -hmm. You see, the heart chakra. That's why the Egyptian, the heart, the scarab, the heart scarab was the most important. Even when you died, they'd throw the brain away. But it was the heart that they preserved. Because that's another, that's where your true self is. But you got to radiate from the heart chakra and then you elevate on into the pineal gland. But most people's consciousness is in the root chakra. On the five senses, the animal level. They can look pretty. They can have a PhD with a degree. They tell you it's only a degree of information. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a degree of information, it has nothing to do with a person's behavior, mm. whether they're conscious or not. You see, it has nothing to do with what a person wears. It has something to do is where they incarnated down here on a certain level and they are radiating above the root shock. And I guarantee you this right now, even if some of you all just coming into consciousness, the last couple of weeks of the last year. I'll guarantee you, you always felt special since you was a baby. Now, I've been asking that question in my lectures around the country for, 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 for 16 years. And I asked everybody, how many of you all always thought that you were special? And the whole room always raised their hands. <laughs> you didn't know what it was. You see what I'm saying? But you thought it was special, and you always had a thirst for something that you didn't know what it was, and it was this knowledge. Let me give you an example. When I was, on, when I was in college, I was standing up one time, I had finished school, and I was standing um, on the college campus with one of the coaches. We got to be good friends, one of the basketball coaches, Coach Holmes. And he said, well, how do you, how do you feel, man? You, you've edu you educated yourself. I said, man, I don't feel shit. I didn't know at the time, I said, I told him, I said, I thought when I came here to this university that when I left, I was going to have some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what the knowledge was. All I know is what I went, I went through for four years, I didn't have shit. I, I, I knew, I felt empty. Now, it was, it was, you know, it was a couple of years later that what I was missing, I realized was knowledge. You see what I'm saying? 
But I, I but but I knew something was wrong. You see, and that's what it is. You you always thought that you was you, you there, that something was missing, and that's why it's actually because you were, you you were gravitating above the root shock. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on The Bottom Line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Law. Put on the mind of God is what you have to do. What does that mean? Go get something. You already got it. El Fatah, open, is your work. The becoming is your work. Everything you need, you got it. If somebody says, be ye perfect, you'd have to already be perfect because you can't put pieces together to make perfect those apart. Perfect is one. Undivided, unbroken, complete. Well, brother, let me tell you something. You already got it. You already are it. You just don't know it. And what I mean is this thing here does not know it is perfect. It keeps telling you you're making mistakes. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do that. You don't know how to do that. I'm poor. I ain't got. I don't know what. That ain't where the mind of Christ works. But that's what you want to quiet in your mind. And put, I can. I know how. I am. I so desire. For whatever it is you so desire, you decree it, declare it, and proclaim it. That's how you get it. Because that's how you got everything else you got. As to whether you did it consciously or subconsciously. It doesn't matter. You have three levels of mind. The super, the conscious, and the subconscious. And you think on all three of them. It's what you're thinking that makes the difference. If your subconscious keeps making you make mistakes, it's because you keep telling it to do so. And as long as you tell your mind... It's broken, it's going to behave like a broken mind. It's going to keep you poor, hungry, and scared. That's imperfect. Turn that shit around. I am G-O-D right now. I am master, able, and noble right now. That's your prayer for transforming yourself to G-O-D. And don't accept anything less than that. Stop being a servant. Stop groveling in your prayers. Claim your divinity. Claim your godhood. Claim the knowledge of the universe. Claim your wealth. Noble Drew Ali told the Moors, each and every one of you, Supposed to inherit a million dollars 
And he said that in 1920-something. How many millionaires we got now? Hell, you can't... What do you mean not many? We got so many, we can't even count them, man. Where are you living at? I'm trying to tell you something. You have to get you past poverty with this. Quit thinking poor. Quit thinking I don't have it. I don't... I can't get it. Don't look up and see somebody else hit the numbers for $20 million and they tell yourself, I, I can't, I, I, I ain't. I. What the hell are you talking about? Why can't you turn around and tell yourself just the opposite? I didn't win $20 million. That's what the sister did when she opened up the Bible and the Spirit told her to read those verses in that chapter. And then when she got a closed book, the Spirit told her, don't close that book. Write them numbers down. <laughs> and, and, and carry them to the wind. Wait a minute. I'm talking about right here in New York. A black woman who used to scrub floors for a living. Six million dollars that weekend. She ain't scrubbing nobody's damn floors no more. You know what I'm saying? You know? Quit reaching for the bottom. And the money's on top. Real money. And, and don't ask God for some money, because a penny is money, and he'll give you a penny if you ask for a penny. You know what I'm saying? Quit asking for cheap shit. <laughs> damn supermarket full of steaks. You go in there and buy some damn beans and rice. What is you doing? You know what I'm saying? Get up here. Why is it you don't think you're supposed to live a wonderful, pleasant, prosperous life? Who told you you weren't supposed to do that? Nobody but you. Well, quit doing that. Yeah, quit going for the okey-doke. It's okey-doke. I'm poor. It's okey-doke. I ain't got shit. It's okey-doke. Yeah. I'm sick. It's okey-doke. I don't know shit. It's okey-doke. go <laughs> We're going for okie doke. You hear me? Now I'm talking to your spirit. Because that's what's going to get you out of poverty. And that's what's going to get you out of hell. Is the God within yourself. That's the one you're looking for. That's your best friend. And that's the only one who will be with you forever. When Jesus goes somewhere else, that God will still be there. You sure enough want to make him and her your best friend. Hmm? A God that will always tell you the truth. Only if you will always listen. When you stop listening, everybody starts telling you a lie. Because that's what you're looking for when you stop listening to your own truth. Take the responsibility of being God. How do you get there? One way, and one way only. By desire. You have to want to be God. You can't get there no other way. psychological assumption 
automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire is the law of mind in action. The psychological assumption automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire. If you do not have the desire to become God, you are not going to become God, certainly not by accident. That's a car running over you, not God. You have to have it in here. If you want to be a servant, that's already in there. That's easy. Upgrade. You heard the statement, all grow up. Well, yeah, grow up. <laughs> and find out you might be 25 feet tall. <laughs> That's a Reverend Biscuit in me coming out there. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. All right, all right, all right. What up? Peace to the gods. Welcome to the show. You're sitting right here on The Bottom Line. I'm your host, Joey Bounce. L. Bay. Why not? And this is the New Evolution Radio Network. What's happening? How y'all feeling tonight? Sorry for the for the delay. Y'all know, y'all know I normally come in right around the top of the hour. I have a couple of things I have to deal with. But um, I appreciate y'all sitting in, and uh, we're going to get right to it tonight. So tonight we're talking about nationality versus citizenship, excuse me, versus race. And, you know, I think this is a really important topic, um, as all of our topics are, but it's important that we go into this because the more that I get into my processes, you know, personally, the more people ask me dumbass questions. <laughs> you know, like, you know, why you don't want to be a black person? Why you don't want to be African-American? And, you know, people don't really understand what these titles that they choose um, do, you know, how what they abrogate to them, right? And I, I want to look at that tonight because, you know, if you're still walking around and you're calling yourself white, black, right, one of these titles, I'm specifically going to stick within those two means tonight because, country, the history of these two words has caused a lot of death, has caused a lot of people to question the law, right? And and really morally, should you be calling yourself a crayon? You know, and these are things that we really got to think about. And, and then what is nationality, right? Do you have a nationality? You know, I, I had this conversation. I was talking to so I, I don't even remember who it was. I remember the conversation. I was talking to a woman. We were having a conversation. And I said, so what's your nationality? She said, I'm black. My grandma's Native American. I thought, okay. So, you, so you're so saying that you're black and Native American. Yeah, that's who I am. So what's your nationality? She said, I'm black, Native American. My dad's like three times. So good that even... Though I kept asking, it was not getting to her that I was looking for a different answer. And a lot of people don't get that. In our country, our country is still based on this concept of um, of just solely, right, where we allow people to come into our country, right, and they naturalize, and they can become, quote, U.S. citizens, 
And they go under this title called White if they look white. So we're going to look at this tonight, and it's really important that we do, because if we don't, we will continue to be mixed up. So um, I'm going to dive into a couple of different documents here. Yeah, give me a second here. The call lines are wide open if you want to holler at me. Um, the call-in number is 347-989-0194. All right, now, I want to look at the definition of this word, civil mortuus. Let me pull it up. I had it pulled up. Yeah, I know I do a lot of researching, so it's important. I, I keep multiple windows up at the same time. And if you didn't hear the show Friday, you need to go back and listen to it so you can hear what I dropped. All right. All right. So let's look at this definition. Civil mortuus, all right? Now, the law definition of civil mortuus means civilly dead, dead in the view of the law, the condition of one who has lost his civil rights and capacities, one who is accounted dead in the law. Now, you got to understand that for a long time, for a very long time, before they even gave you so-called civil rights, they had these things called the Black Code. So let's take a look at what those are. The Black Codes were laws passed by the Southern States in 1865. Look at that. Now, Mind you, if you think about that Ben Tillman letter, it's right around the time that we were, um, as you want to call it, deceited, or you know, we were taken out of Congress, right? We were disenfranchised. Okay, so 1865, the Southern states passed the Black Code, and in 1866, in the United States, after the American Civil War, with the intent and the effect. Of restricting African Americans Quote freedom And of compelling them To work in the labor economy Based on low wages or debt Now black codes are part of the larger Patterning of southern whites Who were trying to suppress the new freedom Of so called emancipated African American slaves Now black codes Were essentially replacements for slave codes In those states Before the war in the states that prohibited slavery some black codes were also enacted. Northern states such as Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New York, they all enacted black codes to discourage your Moors or your free blacks from residing in those states and from trying to vote. Okay? Public education um, and all types of other equal treatment that they wanted under the law. See, that law didn't apply to them because they forgot their ancestors established the government. But remember, they passed the 14th Amendment. Now, some of these northern black codes were repealed around the same time the Civil War ended and slavery was abolished. So since the colonial period, colonies and states had passed the Laws discriminating against free blacks In the south These were generally included in slave codes The goal was to reduce Influence of free blacks Particularly after the slave rebellion So because of their potential influence On slaves 
They didn't want these Moors converting niggas into Moors, back into Moors. We don't want y'all converting them back into Moors. We finna free these niggas and make them U.S. citizens. And we're going to give them a title so that we can bring them into our citizenship. And we're going to give them Negro, Black, or Colored, right? But this is, you got to think about this. We're talking about before they even came out with African American, right? They was calling you Negro or Black. So restrictions included prohibiting them from voting, although North Carolina allowed this before 1831. So why y'all think in North Carolina there was black people voting in 1831? Who you think they was? Okay. They also could bear arms, gathering groups for worship, and they was reading and writing. Isn't that interesting? Not everybody was a slave A major purpose of these laws Was to preserve slavery among other things In the first two years after the Civil War Whites dominated Southern legislators uh, Passed black codes modeled After the earlier slave codes Y'all gotta see I want y'all to understand this There's a book Everybody needs to go get their hands on this book You got a title of the book The book is called White Cargo Forgotten history of Britain's white slaves in America. Go get the book. The book will tell you all about these white slaves because understand that when you read the Ben, ben Simmons letter, he told you we didn't want them to put white heels under uh, black black shoes. I mean, or uh, white necks under black heels. Right? He told you right there. These niggas had us enslaved. A lot. They don't want to admit to it. But it's in their own writings. See, a lot of the earlier slave codes were passed for them to keep, because we was trying to keep them in check. Was it right? No, I'm not saying it was right. But the history was flipped. It was flipped during what they call your Reconstruction period. Okay? This is where they started giving y'all these titles. Now, they were particularly concerned with controlling movement and labor, as slavery had given way to free to a free labor system. Right? They was making mad money off of labor. This is what I mean. This is, you know, you got to think about it. So the cotton gin came along, they was cleaning up. Right? That was one of the biggest commodities. Now, the term black codes was given by Negro leaders and the Republican organs. According to historian John S. Reynolds, the defining feature of the black codes was broad, was a broad vagrancy law, which allowed local authorities to arrest free people for minor infractions and commit them to involuntary labor. This period was the start of these convict lease systems, also described as slavery by another name, by Douglas uh, Blackman in his 2008 book. Okay? Now, let's look at the, the Reconstruction era and Jim Crow. Okay? Now, the Black Codes outraged public opinion in the North because it seemed that the South was creating a form of quasi-slavery to negate the results of the war. When the Radical 39th Congress reconvened in December 1865, 
it was generally furious about the developments that had transpired during Johnson's presidential reconstruction. Now, the Black Codes, along with the appointment of prominent Confederates to Congress, signified that the South had been emboldened by Johnson and intended to maintain its old political power. Railing against the Black Codes as returns to the slavery and violation of the 13th Amendment, Congress passed the Civil Rights Act, the 14th Amendment, and the second Freedmen's Bureau uh, bill. So check this out. I want y'all to understand that they passed the 14th Amendment. They passed the Civil Rights Act to try to give you privileges under this new title to restrict your privileges, really, because you were disenfranchised. Remember, they called you former Moors. So you're a former Moor according to them. You see. Now this is interesting. So the black codes between 1865 and 1866 were an overt manifestation of the system of white supremacy that continued to dominate the American South. Historians have described the system as the emergent result of a wide variety of laws and practices conducted on all levels of jurisdiction. So because legal enforcement depends on so many different local codes, which underwent less scrutiny than statewide legislation, historians still lack a complete understanding of the full scope. I can tell you why they did it. They passed they passed all the black code laws in all the different states so that they could be racially um, biased, if you will. Okay. Now, I want to take a look at something. I, I found some information. <clears throat> We're going to pull it up before we get into nationality because this, this all deals with the same shit, right? Because nobody wants nobody wanted to be classified as black. And I, I mean, that's that's like one of the most interesting things, you know. So let's take a look at this case. This is um. Second, I'm gonna pull it up, y'all. Working from the phone today. All right, so we're gonna pull up the Moore Sundry Act. All right, and let's take a look at this. So, the Moore Sundry Act, 1790 advisory resolution passed by South Carolina House Representatives, right, clarifying the status of free subjects of the Sultan of Morocco, Mohammed bin Abdallah. The resolution offered the opinion that free citizens of Morocco were not subject to the laws governing blacks and slaves. So hold on. You mean these people didn't want to be governed as a slave, right? They they did not want to be governed under the same laws. Why? Because they was hanging niggas. You wouldn't want to either if they were still hanging niggas today. You understand? Let me keep going. So we're talking about the Moore's Free Sundry Act, okay? And we had a few people who just came in. Understand that 
there were people walking around on this land who were free. They knew who they were. They 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 were not subjects. So on January the twentieth, seventeen ninety, a petition was presented to the South Carolina House of Representatives from a group of four individuals who were subjects of the Moroccan emperor and residents of the state. Doesn't that sound like you and me? Wasn't you born here in America? You are a more. You are a descendant of the Moroccan Empire. Right? I mean, remember, the Moroccan Empire extended from Africa all the way over to northwestern Mexico. I mean, it was a pretty big empire. Now, they desire that if they happen to commit any fault amenable to be brought to justice, that is subject to a prince allied with the United States through the Moroccan-American Treaty of Friendship, they would be treated as citizens under the Negro Act of 1740. The free Moors, Francis, Daniel, Hammond, and Samuel, petitioned on behalf of themselves and their wives, Timo, Flora, Sarah, and Clorinda. They explain how some years ago, while fighting in defense of their country, they and their wives were captured and made prisoners of war by an African king. After this, a certain Captain Clark had them delivered to him, promising they would be redeemed by the Moroccan ambassador residing in England and returned to their country. Instead, he transported them to South Carolina and sold them for slaves. Since then, by the greatest industry, they purchased freedom from their respective masters. They requested that as freeborn subjects of a prince in alliance with the United States, that they should not be considered subject to a state law then in force known as the Negro Law. If they be bound guilty of any crime or misdemeanor, they would receive a fair trial by lawful jury. You know they used to call whites Negroes? I'm not lying. Go look it up. Then they started, when, when these niggas wanted to take the government, they started trying to change it. Now, the matter was referred to a committee consisting of John Justice, uh, Justice John Frank, General Charles, Coltsworth Pickney, and Edward Rutledge. Now, Edward Rutledge reported from the committee house on the petition on the same day, and the house agreed to the report, which reads as follows. They have considered the same and are of the opinion that no law of this state can in its construction or operation apply to them, and, the, and, that the, and that the persons who were subjects of the emperor of Morocco, being free in this state, are not triable by the law for, bettering, for, be, for the better ordering and governing of Negroes and other slaves. See, I told you white people were slaves too. Now, because the report was not forwarded to the Senate for concurrence, it did not have the force of law, but it served as an advisory opinion offering the sense of the House. They didn't want to put that shit in law. They knew the effect of it. They put it in law. Sir? Now, let's look at this term Negro, because this term Negro is a dated term traditionally used to denote persons considered to be of Negroidic features. Right? Now, the term can be construed as offensive, right? But 
we know that, I mean, see, the interesting is, the very interesting thing about this term Negro is that, you know, it, it was our word, right? Like, nah, nah, right? And they were classifying whites over here under these laws who came over here as slaves. That's why I told you to get that book. Now, let's take a look at, and I'm going to pull it up here. Okay, we're going to look at the Black's Law definition of black, black person in the, in the Black's Law Dictionary, so... Remember, if you look at an old enough uh, version of American, it said the copper-colored races of America, which would have been people that they now call black. Okay. Now, I want to talk about the Census Bureau because this is this is very important. The U.S. Census Bureau must adhere to the 1997 Office of Management and Budget. That's the OMB, right? Yeah. Sometimes y'all, y'all see that on some of y'all forms that we fill out. Standards on race and ethnicity. So some of y'all have seen that form, right? Where And a few of y'all have tried to fill it out. It doesn't do anything because it's not for uh, you. It's for government employees, people who are actually getting paid from the government, right? So the government can classify who works for them, right? So the Office of Management and Budget, budget standards on race and ethnicity which guide the census bureau in classifying written responses to the race question so ask what a white person is right and that says that that's a person having origins in any of the original peoples of europe right now check it out they used to call us free white persons right so let me pull that up statute in the united states uh constitution Oh, excuse me. Um, okay, yeah. The first statute in the United States to codify natural naturalization law, alternative, alternatively known as the Nationality Act. The Naturalization Act of 1790 restricted citizenship to any alien, being a free white person who had been in the United States for two years. In effect, but it left out indentured servants, slaves, and most women. Let me pull something else up. How y'all doing out there? We're going to open them call lines up in a minute, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, now, check it out. Remember that in order for them to make you a U.S. citizen, you had to be naturalized. So, that means that they had to bring you in through naturalization. So you were naturalized as a U.S. citizen through the birth certificate. Understand this? So, free white persons referred to in the Naturalization Act, amended by the Act of July the 14th, 1870, has a meaning naturally given to it when first used in the Statute 103. Um, section 3 
meaning all persons belonging to European races, then commonly counted as white, and their descendants, including such descendants in other countries to which they have immigrated. Three white persons, including all European Jews, more or less intermixed with the people of Celtic, Scandinavian, Teutonic, Liberian, Latin, Greek, and Slavic descent. It includes Maguires, Lapas, and Finns, and the Basque and Albanians. It includes the mixed Latin, Celtic, Iberian, and Moorish inhabitants of Spain and Portugal. The mixed Greek, Latin, Phoenician, and North African inhabitants of Sicily. And the mixed Slav and Tartar inhabitants of South Russia. Free white people does not mean Caucasian race, Aryan race, or Indo-European race. Nor the mixed Indo-European, Dravidian, Semitic, and Mongolian peoples who inhabit Persia. A Syrian of Asiatic birth and descent will not be entitled to become a naturalized citizen of the United States as being a free white person. Ex parte. Okay. Y'all go look that up. So I want you to understand that they used to classify you as this when you went by being a Moor. This is why I've heard of people who have, who've had the status change and then they got them in the system either as a Moor or a free white person. I've, you've heard of it. Right, people who've come out of the system as United States citizens say, I'm not, I'm not a part of that no more. I don't want to be down with that shit no more. So let me read something to you because I think that it's very important that we understand what happens when you get naturalized, right? So because when when you want to come out of being naturalized and go back into the empire, there is specific law on that. So I'm going to read that. It's in the general act of Algiers. So let me pull it up. You know, it was interesting. I was talking to Jonah about this, and we was talking about how, you know, once you come back, come back into the empire, they got a clause that you can bring ten people with you back into freedom. Right? Let's see, just a second. Let me pull it up. Okay, so taking me a minute to find it, but the document, one of the documents, if you want to pull it up, it's called Morocco, the General Act of Algiers, okay? And I believe that it is in here, so let me see if I can pull it right quick. Okay, so um, let's do this. We're going to take a five-minute break. So I can find this document because I want to read it. So it's important that I do read this to you. So let's take a five-minute break. We'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to finish this up. I'm going to read this document to y'all, and we're going to hit these call lines, see what's happening out there. You see right here on the bottom line? We'll be right back. Refugees up in here. <laughs> Book a basement style on the John Field Show. Giving you a little reggae, a little R&B, a little hip-hop. CB Wonder style, you know how we do. Bust it.
right, all right, all right, all right. Peace to the gods. We back. All right, so tonight we're talking about race versus nationality. All right, we're getting into some heavy stuff here because we just looked at this definition of what a free white person was, right? And in the original definition, they told you that a Moor was a free white person. Well, specifically speaking to the Moors, right? Because we got the, I mean, people of color got the biggest problem right now. We have been declassified, denationalized, subject to genocide, and people are really okay with it. Niggas is really all right. People really want to be a United States citizen. I don't really understand it. Like, I guess, you know. Ignorance is bliss, right? Because there was a time when I didn't get none of this. Didn't know none of this. So I understand there are people who don't know. Right? But the very fact that you, if you know and you're willing to continue with it, it just means to me that you enjoy the privileges. Not, I mean, this you couldn't possibly be interested in freedom. Now, I, got, I get it. I get it. Some people have to take their time to get out of the system. I get it. Especially when you got kids. Takes time. But we actively need to be doing things. Ain't gonna happen overnight, but it has to happen, right? Alright, so before we get back into it, quick announcement. We got a seminar coming up. It's gonna be, um, actually we got two seminars coming up. Uh, the one that I will be at will be the one in Miami. It'll be at the end of the month on the 29th. If you want to get tickets, go to makemorecommerce.com. I'd love to see y'all come out. We're going to be going over a lot of new information. Can't wait to drop it to y'all. Uh, a lot of stuff that I can't go over on the radio, you know, for privacy reasons and shit like that. But we'd love to see y'all come out to the seminar. It's going to be in Miami. It's going to be at the JW Marriott in Miami. So make sure y'all come out. Come get this information. Come holler at me. Come see me in person. All right? Like I said, makemorecommerce.com, Nationality and Freedom uh, Seminar. Myself and Jonah Bay, we're going to be out there breaking this information down for y'all real tough. All right? All right. So let me get back to it, right? Now, I found this document, and I've read it before. I'm going to read it again. But before I do, we got to look at these definitions, right? So, we got to finish looking at them because that's what we was going through, right? So we know what the definition now is of a free white person, right? Now we know what the definition now is of a white person because now they've changed the definition and said a white person is a person who has origins in Europe, the Middle East, or North Africa. Isn't that interesting because the Moors came from North Africa, didn't they? So then a black or African-American person is a person having origins in any of the black racial groups of of Africa. So, black people, I ask you, which black racial group in Africa are you from? If you're calling yourself African American, what? Tell me what tribe? What country in Africa? You don't know, right? Because they want you to believe that you've been displaced. 
American Indian or Alaskan Native is a person having origins in the, any of the original peoples of the North and South of America, including Central America, and who maintains tribal affiliation or commonly attachment. See, that's some bullshit. Because they want you to believe that the Mongoloid races who came from uh, the Bering Strait of Eastern Asia and miscegenated with the original Aboriginal people with woolly hair is the original peoples of America. And they're not. Why? Because the original peoples of America are the copper-colored races. Okay. I really never understood why somebody would, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, when, when you don't have nothing in your own, I guess it's okay to take other people's shit, right? And I guess that's why they felt it's okay to come in and take land that wasn't theirs, call themselves Americans, denationalize and declassify the real Americans, put them in the lowest status that you could possibly be in in this country, and then take our status. This is why I read the Morris Free Sundry Act. You had people walking around here who knew who they were. They said, hold on a second. All these niggas is being killed, and we don't want to be part of this shit. And these niggas are getting hung. They're getting punished for simple shit because they under slave codes. Slave codes later became the black codes. When they freed the slaves, they had to find a way to continue to keep their foot on a nigga neck. Even though we was... Listen, the Union states in the South were the Confederate states, and those were black states. The Congress was black. They didn't want to give up control of the, of the Southern states. This is why we have to read and know the history of what really happened here so we can understand that the Reconstruction Act was about flipping everything so that you didn't know the real history. It's a hell of a thing for them to do. Okay? So let's look at the definition of the word naturalization. Now, naturalization There we go. Naturalization or naturalize is to confer upon the rights and privileges of a citizen. To introduce into a region and cause them to flourish as if native. To introduce or adopt foreign practices into a country or into general use. Let's look at naturalization. The admission of a foreigner to the citizenship of a country. The introduction of a plant or animal to a region where it is not indigenous. Now, let me ask y'all a question, because many people have heard of the Dred Scott case, right? So if you've heard of Dred Scott, you know that Dred Scott's biggest mistake was that he called himself a Negro, and they told him, hey, black people can never be citizens of the United States because it wasn't created for you. It was created for white men. Free white men, too. Right? Red Scott 
was a descendant of a slave. That's that's what he claimed. He he never said he was a Moor. He never said he was indigenous or aboriginal to America. None of that shit, did he? Y'all feel what I'm saying? So naturalization is when they bring you into their shit. So let me ask you a question, right? Because let's let's look at something, right? Let's look at Dred Scott. Ooh, they got me going now. Let's look at Dred Scott versus Stanford. Let's take a look at it, right? Now, pay attention to the years. 1799 to 1858 was an enslaved African man in the United States who unsuccessfully sued for his freedom. And that of his wife and their two daughters in the Dred Scott versus Stanford case of 1857. 1857. 1857. 14th Amendment wasn't passed until 18, what, 65? Like, right around the time they did the Reconstruction Act. Okay, hold on. Right? So, popularly known as the Dred Scott case, Scott claimed that he and his wife should have been granted their freedom because they lived in Illinois and in the Wisconsin Territory for four years where slavery was illegal. The United States Supreme Court decided 7-2 against Scott, finding that neither he nor any other person of African, of African ancestry could claim citizenship in the United States. And therefore, Scott could not bring suit in federal court under the diversity of citizenship rule. Moreover, Scott's temporary residence outside Missouri did not bring about his emancipation under the Missouri Compromise, which the court ruled unconstitutional, as it would improperly deprive Scott's owner of legal property. See, the nigga was still saying that he was property of this white man. That was the first problem. And that he was a, a, a descendant of of African origins. First of all, dog, you don't know who you are, and and I'm, I, it's like it's incredible to me because you have to understand that at this time, y'all, if you was a slave, right? Let's say that Dred Scott. I don't. We don't know if Dred Scott was still. I don't know if he was still staying with his owner or not. But at that time period, a slave could bring a suit. Right? I was just reading it earlier. I was reading another case earlier where a slave brought a suit. But guess what? Guess who had to pay for the suit? Guess who had to file the suit? The slave master. And then a lot of times, you could get a jury, but they wouldn't give you a jury of your peers. Like, they don't do it today. You're a national. You know, a jury of your peers is other nationals. It's not a another U.S. citizen. Right? So let's go back. So Scott's temporary residence outside Missouri did not bring about his emancipation under the Missouri Compromise, right? Because they said he was still a slave. So Chief Justice B. Tanny had hoped to settle issues related to slavery and congressional authority by this decision. It aroused public outrage, deep in sectional tensions, sectional tensions between the northern and the southern states and hastened the eventual explosion of the differences into the American Civil War. Right. President Abraham Lincoln, by the way, Abraham Lincoln, I'm going to quote from him. Let me see if I can find it. 
But Abraham Lincoln, uh, Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, and post-Civil War Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments nullified the decision. Right? They killed his ass right before they was able to pass that. Now, I had a picture of this crooked nigga. Let me see. I got I got it. Here it is. Okay. He said, quote, uh, now, you know, Abe, Abe Lincoln was mulatto, and um, you can look this up, Lieutenant H. Hoser. Um, he said, Dear Mr. Lincoln, Abe Lincoln, goddamn you, you're nothing but a goddamn black nigga, a dark-skinned person of any, oh, sorry, a goddamn black nigga, end quote. Right? That's a dark-skinned person of any origin in the early youth with the reference to American Indians, right? But Lincoln said, quote, um, he says, my paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union. And it, and it is not either to save or to destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. If I, if I, uh, and if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. What I, what I do about slavery in the colored race, I do because I believe. Just a second, I gotta turn my phone to the side. He says, I do because I believe it. As forbear, because I do not believe it will help to save the union. I shall do less whenever I shall believe what I am doing hurts the cause, and I shall do more when I believe it helps. Come to that effect. He didn't give a fuck. Right? She gotta understand. This wasn't about, this was about property. They was trying to keep niggas in slavery because they, they wanted their property. They was making money off of niggas, white and black niggas. They didn't give a fuck. It was not, listen, the, the, the crazy thing about all of this is that, yes, we ran the government, but we had a hand in this bullshit that was going on. Okay. So Dred Scott, they told him he could never be a citizen of the United States. Right? So let's look at something here. I'm gonna pull it up. I got it. Okay. Now this is this document um called Citizenship of the United States, okay? We talk about Morocco here. Since there are strictly speaking no Moroccan laws relating to citizenship of Moorish subjects in Morocco. Because remember, this is our Morocco. Right, my Arabic's not the greatest, but I'm Marak, Marak. Right, this this is Shea Mexico, right, Northwest of Mexico. That's what this particular landmass is, right? So this is just strictly speaking, no Moroccan laws relating to citizenship of the Moorish uh, subjects in Morocco. The fundamental laws of this non-Christian country are based entirely upon the Islamic code, no part of which treats of the subject of citizenship. Though, however, numerous treaties and conventions between the, the various Christian countries in the Moorish Empire, by means of which citizenship in this country is defined. But as I understand from the above acknowledged instructions, that this is not the desire of the department to call for the report. See, y'all got to understand, they didn't want this information out there. They was like, nigga, you think we don't really want you to speak on this like that. So speak on it a little bit and leave it alone and move on. So this is what he said. 
He says, I will therefore confine these remarks to general conditions existing, which may possibly be of some use in connection with the information desired. Number one, citizenship in Morocco may be said to be governed by the laws pertaining to the same in either and other countries with the exception that all persons residing in Morocco who cannot prove foreign citizenship or protection are considered, if so, jewelry as more subjects. Let's look at that definition, shall we? If so, jewelry. If so, jewelry is a Latin phrase, which means by operation of law. Let me find so I can find a better one. If so, jewelry. Okay. If so, jewelry. Um, the operation of law, security says. Uh, so basically, it's, it's an operation of law. It's the law that they use. Basically, they're saying that you became a U.S. citizen by law. Right? But let's keep going because it gets a little bit more interesting. They go on to say further. Moorish subjects lost their nationality only by becoming naturalized in or protected by another country having treaty relations with the Moorish Empire. So hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. We just looked at the definition of naturalized. So in order to be partitioned, remember the Moors, some three centuries ago, they partitioned because they said they were subjects of the Moorish Empire. It wasn't under the East. Black codes, Negro slave codes That was happening They said we under the Moorish Empire But they're telling you right now That you lost your nationality Because you wanted to be naturalized You wanted to be a United States citizen So let me, let me, let me point something out to you When they passed the 14th Amendment It was unconstitutional So by passing the 14th Amendment and making you a United States citizen. They were able to naturalize you, denationalize you, and now call you whatever they wanted to under their system. So more subjects lost their nationality only by becoming naturalized in or protected by another country having treaty relations with the Moorish Empire. It was established by the Convention of Madrid, July 3rd. Any subject of Morocco who has been naturalized in a foreign country who shall return to Morocco shall having remained for a length of time equal to that which shall have been regularly necessary for him to obtain such naturalization, choose between entire submission to the laws of the empire and the obligation to quit Morocco unless it shall be proved that the that this naturaliza- that his naturalization in a foreign country was obtained with the consent of the government of Morocco. Now, foreign naturalization heretofore acquired by subjects of Morocco, according to the rules established by the laws of each country, shall be continued to beat them as regards to all its effects without any restriction. Continue. You see that? So, it's, it's important for you to understand that they know what happened. They are very well aware that you niggas gave up your um, position in the empire. 
Now, before we go to the call lines, let's look at one more document. Let me pull this document out. This is an important one that we read. Okay. Now, I want to remind y'all that any of the information that is presented, you can go back, study for yourself, research it for yourself, so that you can find it and understand why it's so important for you to get this information. Because it ain't just me saying it. All right. Now, is this it? Let me see. here we go. I'm going to read a little bit of this to you because it's important that you understand that even the Congress knows that this shit is unconstitutional. So what I'm trying to tell you all tonight is that if you're classifying yourself under one of these races, even if you're calling yourself a white person and you don't have, you don't have a nationality, Native Americans, I'm sorry, y'all don't have nationalities either. You all got declassified, denationalized. So we weren't the only ones who got denationalized. So let's read it. This congressional record, June 13th, 1967. Okay. It says this is followed. The 14th Amendment Equal Protection Law, or Tool of Usurpation. That word always twists me up. Usurpation. Mr. Pryor, Mr. Speaker, I ask unanimous consent that the gentleman from Louisiana may extend his remarks at this point in the record and include extraneous matter. Is there objection at the request of the gentleman from Arkansas? There's no objection. Mr. Robert, Mr. Speaker, arrogantly ignoring clear-cut expressions in the Constitution of the United States. Okay. The declared intent of its drafters, notwithstanding our unelected federal judges, read out prohibitions of the Constitution of the United States by adopting the fuzzy haze of the 14th Amendment to legislate their personal ideas, prejudices, theories, guilt complexes, aims, and whims. Through the cooperation of intellectual educators, we have subjected ourselves to accept destructive views and meaning of words and phrases. We blindly accept new meanings and change values to alter our traditional thought. We have tolerantly permitted the habitual misuse of words to serve as a vehicle to abandon our foundations and goals. Thus, the present use and expansion of the 14th Amendment is a sham serving as a crutch in a hoodwink, quasi-legal approach for overthrow of the, of the tender balances and protections of the limitations found in the Constitution. Now, this is a, this is, the, listen, you understand why this is so important? Because these are, these are con- con- congressional records. These are congressmen who are telling you that, you know, whenever they make a congressional record, 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 they do it because they know people are going to go back at some point and search for this. They want to know, is Congress sitting by oblivious? I don't think so. Well, let me keep going. But interestingly enough, the 14th Amendment, whether ratified or not, was the expression of emotional outpouring of public sentiment following the war between the states. 
Its obvious purpose and intent was but to free human beings from ownership as chattel but by other humans. Its aim was no more than to free the slaves. As our politically appointed federal judiciary proceeds down to their chosen paths of chaotic departure from the people's government by substituting their personal law rationalized under the 14th Amendment, their actions and verbiage brand them and their team as secessionist rebels with their team, as secessionist rebels with pens instead of guns, seeking to to divide our union. They must be stopped. Public opinion must be aroused. The union must and shall be preserved. Mr. Speaker, I ask to include in the House record following my remarks, House Concurrent Resolution 208 of the Louisiana Legislature, urging this Congress to declare the 14th Amendment illegal. Also, I include in the record an informative and well-annotated treaty on the illegality of the 14th Amendment. The play toy of our secessionist judges, which has been prepared by Judge Leander Perez of Louisiana. The the material referred to follows. Concurrent resolution to expose the unconstitutionality of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States to interpose the sovereignty of the states of Louisiana against the execution of said amendment in this state. To memorialize the Congress of the United States to repeal its joint resolution on June 28, 1868, declaring that the Senate Amendment had been ratified and to provide that the distribution of certified copies of this resolution. Whereas the purported 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution was never lawfully adopted in accordance with the requirements of the United States Constitution, because 11 states of the Union... 11, only 11 now, were deprived of their equal suffrage. Okay? Now, in the Senate, in violation of Article 5, when 11 southern states, included Louisiana, were excluded from deliberation and decisions in the adoption of the joint resolution proposing the 14th Amendment, the said resolution was not presented to the President uh, of the United States in order that the same should take effect. As required by Article 1, Section 7 The proposed amendment Was not ratified by three-fourths of the states But to the contrary Fifteen states of the then Thirty-seven states of the Union Rejected the proposed amendment Right? See that? They did that between the dates of its submission To the states by the Secretary of State On June 16, 1866 And March 24, 1868 Thereby, thereby nullifying their resolution and making it impossible for ratification by the constitutionality required under three-fourths of the states. The said southern states, which would deny their equal suffrage in the Senate, have been recognized by proclamations of the President of the United States to have duly constituted governments with all powers which belong to the free states of the Union. And the legislator of the seven of the said southern states had ratified the 13th Amendment, which would have failed of ratification, but the ratification of the said southern states. And whereas the Reconstruction Acts of Congress unlawfully overthrew their existing governments, removed their uh, lawfully 
constituted legislators by military force. So, see, this is when they came in to all the southern states, right? When they said, "No, we're not doing that shit," and they marched in with with the with the uh, military, right? And they did military occupation. Okay, legislators by military force and replaced them with rump legislators, which carried out military orders and pretended to ratify the Fourteenth Amendment. And whereas in spite of the fact that the Secretary of State in his first proclamation on June 20th, 1866, expressed doubt as to whether three-fourths of the required states had ratified the 14th Amendment, Congress nevertheless adopted a resolution on July 28th, 1868, unlawfully declaring that three-fourths of the states had ratified the 14th Amendment and directed the Secretary of State to so proclaim. The said joint resolution of the Congress and that the Resulting proclamation of the Secretary of State included the purported ratifications of the military enforced rump legislator to ten southern states whose lawfully whose lawful legislator had previously rejected the said fourteenth amendment and also included purported ratifications by the legislator of the states of Ohio and New Jersey, although uh ratifications several months previously. So y'all got to understand that they didn't want this. They didn't want this shit to happen. The states was was putting all of they, um some of the states decided to do it, and then they took it back. Some of the states just didn't want to do it at all. California didn't even respond. So they answered this when there's a void. He went on to say that the legislature of Louisiana opposes the use of the invalid 14th Amendment by the federal courts to impose further unlawful edicts and hardships on its people. The legislator go on record as exposing the unconstitutionality of the 14th Amendment and interposed the sovereignty of the state of Louisiana against the execution of the 14th Amendment against the state of Louisiana and its people. That the Congress of the United States be memorialized by this legislator to repeal its unlawful joint resolution of July 28, 1868, declaring that three-fourths of the states had ratified the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, that the legislature of other states of the Union be memorialized to give serious study and consideration to take similar action against the validity of the 14th Amendment and to uphold and support the Constitution of the United States with strikes and the, the said 14th Amendment with nullity. Okay. The copies of this resolution, duly certified, together with a copy of the Treaties of the Unconstitutionality of the 14th Amendment by Judge L.H. Perez, be forwarded to the governors and the secretaries of the state of each state in the Union and to the secretaries of the United States in the Senate. You see? So, I'm telling y'all tonight that if you continue to to want to be a part of the game, and a fairy tale, that's fine. But you can't say that it wasn't explained to you. You can't say that you don't understand it. You had a birth certificate and a social security. And actually, I, I got the I got the clause. I'll read it to y'all right quick before I go to the call line. Let me pull it up. Because this is from the Department of State, and this is interesting. It says that if you do not routinely ask each person you arrest whether he or she is a U.S. citizen. That means that they consider you to be black, white, colored, all of them races. 
right? Those are U.S. citizens. You would need to develop other procedures for determining whether you have arrested or detained a foreign national and for complying with consular notification. A driver's license issued in the United States would not normally provide information sufficient to indicate whether the license holder is a U.S. citizen, nor does the fact that a person has a social security number indicate that a person is necessarily a U.S. citizen. A foreign national may present as identification a foreign passport or consular, or a consular identity card. If the person presents a document that indicates birth outside the United States, the United States is Washington, D.C., Guam, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, it's possessional enclaves like the post office, okay? It's not the state that you're living in, even though it is the state of, it's not the territory. You understand that? Okay? So if the person presents a document that indicates birth outside of the United States or claims to have been born outside the United States, he or she may be a foreign national. But most all persons born in the United States are U.S. citizens. Most, but not all, persons born outside the United States are not U.S. citizens. So it's, it's important for y'all to understand that it's all through naturalization. Everything's done with the birth certificate. The birth certificate is what's naturalizing you as a United States citizen under the 14th Amendment that was never properly ratified. So if you're claiming to be black... You're actually te- technically what they call stateless. You really are stateless. You don't have a nationality. Let's look at that. What is stateless? Stateless is a, per- a person not recognized as a citizen of any country. In international law, a stateless person is someone who is not considered as a national by any state under the operation of its law. Some stateless persons also are refugees. However, not all refugees are stateless, and many persons who are stateless have never crossed an international border. So I just, look, it's right there. I'll read it again. An international law, a stateless person is someone who is not considered as a national by any state under the operation of this law. So if you're not considered to be a national, they're looking at you like you're stateless. Oh, but, 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 but wait, the, the INS, what was it, the INA? Let me look at that. Yeah, I, INA 101, okay, section, uh, section, was it section 201? Let's pull it up, hold on, we're going to pull it up right quick. INA. National. Okay. Here it is. Now, the term the term national if I can if I can find it, I always like to hide it. Because we could go through this all day. Alien, they got different types of aliens, different types of um citizens. And you do know that a U.S. national is the same as a U.S. citizen. INA. Section 
201, I believe it is. Okay. Nationals. Mm, I can't find it offhand. So if you look in the INA, right, because we got to get to the call lines, but if you look in there, it gives you the definition of a national. Right? And it also tells you what a non-citizen national is. Let me, let me do one more search here. I believe I know exactly where it's at. Okay. So, here we go. Let me read this to you. A person who claims to have derived United States citizenship through naturalization of a parent, right? So you're claiming that you derived your, your citizenship through your parent, right? Or through naturalization of uh, or, or citizenship of a husband who is a citizen of the United States by virtue of the provisions of the 1993 uh, United States Revised Statute or Section 1993 of the United States Revised Statutes, right? That person is a citizen. A person who claims to be a national but not a citizen of the United States may apply to the Secretary of State for a certificate of non-citizen national status, right? Proof to the satisfaction of the Secretary of State that the applicant is a national but not a citizen of the United States. In the case of such, a person born outside of the United States or its outlying possession taking and subscribing before an immigration officer within the United States or an outlying possession to the oath of allegiance required by this act of a petitioner for naturalization, the individual shall be furnished by the Secretary of State with a certificate of non-citizen national status, but only if the individual is at that time within the United States or its outlying possessions. Do you understand? All you got to do is decide what you're gonna, who you're going to be governed by. That's really what it comes down to. That's really what it comes down to. All right, so we're going to go to the call line. I think it's time. I want to talk to y'all. See what y'all got going on out there. And uh, let's go to... Let's go to 734-686. What's happening on the bottom line? Seven three four six eight six. Seven three four six eight six. On once, once, twice. You out of here. Seven five seven nine six five. You're on the bottom line. Speak if ever hold your peace. Mm-hmm. Seven five seven nine six five. I don't know what y'all niggas got going on back there. Three four seven seven four three. Peace. Peace to the God. Uh, are you taking any questions off topic? I mean, that's kind of what this time is for. But if you want to, <laughs> if, you, if you don't want, if you don't want to expound on the topic, oh no, no, I, I just encompasses uh, everything. <laughs> go ahead. Absolutely. Um, okay, so current situation, I, I did the third-party process. Um, I did the 611, and I still haven't seen, and in both situations, I used the administrative process. So I still haven't seen any movement okay. yet. 
So um, I want to go, I want to move forward as far as bringing a claim now. Mm-hmm. So, but I want to make sure I'm in my proper persona. So from what I'm under, from what I comprehend, um, in order to be in your proper persona, you have to have, uh, um, as far as affidavit of ownership, of your birth certificate and and a couple other steps involved um, in order to bring a suit on your own. Otherwise, you have to hire an attorney, correct? That's not true. You can bring a suit as a straw man because you got to understand it's completely different when we're talking about the straw man because they consider the straw man to be a consumer. Under, under the consumer laws, they look at it a little differently. Now, if you want to add weight to the case, you go in there as the as the uh, the executor of the estate, you know, and you can do that. You can always go in there as that. There are a lot of people that go in there as executors, but I have a lot of success going in there the regular way, filing a suit in my regular in, in the name that I'm doing business as. That's really what it is. As long as you got a DBA, you're doing business in that name. You don't have to make it more complicated than what you know. It's already it's already complicated just putting paperwork together. Don't make it more complicated trying to go into court as as the registered owner and all of that. That's not that type of case, to be honest with you. Okay, that's peace. Um, yeah, I, I, I take the best route. I mean, you want money? You want to get some money a little faster? You know, don't don't waste too much time. File the case. Okay. Because you got to think about it, dog. They 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 violated that straw man. So if you're going to come in there, you can always come in there as the beneficial owner. That's fine. Show that it's your property and all of that. That's great. You can do that. No problem. Right? And then you can show where you was damaged and all of that. That holds weight. I won't say that it doesn't. But at the same time, most likely you'll get the same kind of outcome that you would, whether you did that or went in by yourself, uh, you know, just under... That straw man's mind. Okay. It's not criminal it's um, not criminal court. Let me you know, remember that. Yes, sir. Um, as as far as uh so with the third party process, um the the third party deck collect attempt that I used and then the six one one, should should I even expect yep. an outcome? And should I give them like a certain amount of time for to get it off my credit? Well, how many times did you send the letter out? I did the administrative process on both or with both. Okay. Six one one. So, so, the, yeah. So then, so then, what you can do is you can send them one final letter, right, and, and attempt to mitigate, and then after that, you do your summary judgment and your complaint. Because really, if if they didn't, if, if they did not attempt to be honorable with you, especially after you sent them the six one one letter and let them know that they was in violation of putting it back on your credit. Um, then you gotta file a suit. You don't have no choice. Okay, I think that's what they're hoping that I don't do or don't know how to do. So, do you have the template? Yeah, exactly. On, do, do, do you have the template on your on your site? You know, as far as like yeah, four corners so, of it. Yeah. So, um, what you you talking about for suing for the suits? Yes, sir. Yeah, you want to get third party uh, debt collector webinar part two that I do with. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's just yeah, it goes over the it goes over the info on how to put together your suit. 
That's that's really the most important part. Once you know how to put a suit together, you can put any kind of suit together. Uh, I'm, I'm, I got yeah, I got to get that uh that Bugatti I'll be talking about, you know. So oh man, look, <laughs> if he wants the Bugatti, I'm I'm, I'm I want I need some I need something else, man. You like a, I'm looking at the Learjets, you know. I need a, I need a nice right. Learjet. That's what's up. I was uh, hundred foot yacht. Absolutely. I was uh, watching um, Drink Champs the other day with uh, Akon, and he was talking about uh, how he had a gasoline, you know, his own gas station at his house. So, wow. I was like, well, yeah, you know. exa- exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and, and I'm not surprised. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I know. I know. I know a couple of cats who got helicopters that they created. So, you know, I mean, you, you know, what's interesting, brother, is that we can have anything we want. It's just a matter of us manifesting it and putting our mind to it. And a lot of people don't don't see that. But you know, I mean, money is material, man. It just allows us to be able to get where you're trying to go, make it happen. But you know, it starts with the mind, bro. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, the mind is the real thing, man. Not trying to hog up the line, but um, the, as far as now, when I move forward with the tort claim, um, should I just be in a court of record, or when when I bring that claim, or what what court should I file that in? Oh, you talking about your debt collection case? Well, that particular case. Be honest with you. If if, if they got violated, it sounds like you have FDCPA violations, um, as well as FCRA violations. So it sounds like they was reporting on it and they were trying to report, uh, put it. So it's like they put it in your credit and they tried to collect on it. So Correct. if that was the case, if, if that was the case, then you definitely have violations under both. So you could file your case in federal court under both. You pour damage mm. to both. Okay. Very important for you to get your hands on that webinar. It's going to explain that to you. But your damages normally, I I like to go in the federal court. Your damages got to be over seventy five thousand. But depending on how long they've been on your credit, how many times they've been in your report, per credit report, uh, per year, you know, per bureau, that type of shit. You know, you you can start racking it up. Absolutely. Okay. And everything's on that webinar. You got it, my nigga. Everything's on that webinar. All right. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I got this case uh, lingering in a sense where uh, it was a possession of marijuana and a DWI. And the judge said she couldn't hear it because there was an injunction in place, a formal injunction. So she pushed it off to the prosecutor. Yeah, I put it in. Um, it was off of. Uh, you, you put it in the case. Jonas, you, 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 no, you not put yet. the judgment on the case, or you already had one in. I already had one in, but um, now I'm moving through the uh, process of certifying a challenge. So with the uh, 5.1 of supremacy clause, mm-hmm. so I I got mm-hmm. some uh, uh, certified copies from the uh, the state um, archives. And yep, I'm sorry. I'm look. I'm looking to do a affidavit of service. Probably take it into the uh, the county clerk 
Well, the court, the clerk of the the, the, the of the court. Have, have you already done the constitutional challenge? Um, well, no, I haven't submitted it. I figured the injunction in itself, it was a constitutional challenge. Well, that's why the judge so, wouldn't hear it, but you still should put the challenge in anyways on the record. Okay. Still need to do that. Anything that can be proven must be proven. Put it in on the record. Put in your, um, Trinity versus Pat Put your evidence in. Put all your evidence in. Okay. You sit back and wait. You know, and then okay. and, and then if they still don't want to do, it, if you haven't done a motion to dismiss, you might want to do that too. Right. So so far, um, that was the first part. I did the motion to dismiss, but now um, that I got the motion for discovery off off your website, and I'm put I'm putting that in, and tell me if I'm going overboard, but I'm getting a, a copy of the injunction. Put that in there. Um, the motion for dismissal, which they already have, um, affidavit of facts, um, as far as I'm putting in uh, Texas rules of uh, uh, federal federal rules of civil procedure, which is at 5.1, a uh, certified copy of the supremacy clause, um, stating the fact that the injunction was a force. Make sure you put anywhere on your paperwork. Make sure that wherever you write 5.1, you put it in brackets. Because other than that, um, if you don't, then, then you just need to put constitutional challenge. But when you put 5.1 on the paperwork and you don't put it in brackets, it, it becomes um, – it, it essentially is part of their code. They don't have to look at that. So you want to make sure that you keep it separate. Four corners. Okay. Rule. Yes, sir. Okay. And then I got the uh, affidavit of ownership in there for the uh, Inglegas, as well as a copy of the birth certificate. I got Jonas Lean, that $9 billion lien. And I got the Minnesota Rule 220 in there. You know, guys, you already put, put the lien on the case? No, I was going to put it in with the uh, motion yeah. for uh, discovery. Yeah, you don't have to put that in the case. That's not necessary. Okay. Here's a, if it's in the system, they already know it's in the system. But um, what I would do is stick to the script. Do the 5.1, uh, put in the, put in a copy of the Constitution, do the Trinity versus Pagliaro, put together, uh, you know, all of your, your main documents, anything that you're going to rebut. If there's anything that you need to rebut, you put that in too. Would you also put in, I got a certified copy of the Supremacy Clause. Would you put that as well? Or the 5.1 sure. is good enough? Okay. Say no more. Yeah, of course. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Yeah, this right. and yeah, fingers crossed. So, um Joe, we appreciate everything y'all doing. And uh, uh I'll keep good. y'all posted. I'll keep y'all posted. Okay, both keep the floor. Let's know how your how your progress is. All right, peace. Peace. So two four oh, three two oh. On the bottom line. Peace, Joey. Peace to God. Um, before I start, uh, is there a way um, that I can get in touch with the, uh, the guy who just spoke? Because um, I'm actually doing the same thing. I did the consultation with you, was it Tuesday? About the uh, impermissible credit pool as well. What are you asking me, brother? Oh. 
My fault if you can't hear me. I was asking if there's a way I could be put in contact with the more who was just on the phone. Because um, I was doing the consultation with you uh, Tuesday about hey, the... Um, man, why don't you, like, put your email out there, man? Yeah, you know. And, um... Let me see here. But, tell you what I, tell you what I do. Say what I do. I'm going to put y'all in the back room for a few minutes. Y'all okay. can talk to each other in the back office. Perfect, perfect. All right. So the next caller, 484272. Hey, what's up, man? What's up, Joey? Peace to the gods. What's up? Peace to the gods. What's happening? All right. Um, I'm, I'm looking at page five, that same document, okay? And Which one? We're, we're pers- of 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 which you which you were reading. Which one? I read all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I didn't want to put it out there. Um, with the from the consoles off. Oh yeah, okay. All right, so I'm looking at page five. There's a listing of of countries would have to be notified like immediately on the on the event there's a detainment. With what would our um, contact country be in the event that we one of us is detained and uh, that they have to follow that procedure. The United States. Let me tell you why. Even because the United States, the, the United States, when they were given permission to sit in the seat, because the president sits in, in he sits in the in the actual seat of. What would be the president, right, or the sultan, right, essentially? So, so what happens is that when, when they gave them power to sit here, right, because you all receive uh, United States says, oh, you know, we we want to thank Morocco for being the first country to recognize us. So what the, what they're saying to you is that we know that we we uh, have some of your subjects here, right? A whole bunch of them, matter of fact. So since, since that, with that being said, and we know that this is the empire. Right, we have to give out passports to everybody here. Right, that would include the people of the empire. So that means that your protections are still under this particular government as well because they're issuing the passport. You understand? Know okay, because I was looking at they, the they, they, they still have treaties and all of that. All right, because right, the reason why I asked because I was studying it since you since you um, read it on Friday. And I went over those 56 right. that are listed, but there's three that I don't see, which is America, Morocco, and our um, um, authenticated listing. Wait, ask me that again. I, somebody was texting me. I apologize. Say that again. Okay, there's 56. There's 56 notifying countries. That has to be right. they have to be immediately notified. And I was looking for right. three. Which was right. and, well, and those three understand, understand that the United States, Morocco, I know what you're saying to me. The United States and Morocco are the same place. Right, but it's not there. It's not on the list. That's because, why I was because asking. they made the list. Okay. All right. you are, if you become a national of the of the United States they got to immediately notify the consular's office. 
Right, right. I, I, I read, I read it in I the handbook. I, I have, I have the PDF, um, edition, thir- the third edition. I have it. Yeah, I'm looking at it with you, man. <laughs> it took me a few hours Friday to find it, but I found it. Yeah, that's how deep I was listening. Yeah, I'm like, yo, if you if you looking, you'll find the answer because. I found that on the Humbug. I was just doing some research and I found it. But what's so interesting about it is that they have provisions specifically set out on what they're supposed to do dealing with us. Right. They know. They because know. they, this because is they have those. They know. Because they have those questions, yes or no. And I'm looking at no for all of them because we're not citizens right. of the U.S. So. That's right. what that's why I'm asking. Go, you know, never be citizens. It's all dress guy. Yeah, because they, they be a citizen. Yeah, yeah, they own they own congressional record stated that. Exactly, and then they passed the Fourteenth Amendment, which was illegal. So, so, so then they they they're forcefully nationalizing people under color of law to be U.S. And citizens. it still says that we're not, and, and it still states that we're not citizens. So it, it never still, worked. It still says it. it never was. All right. Thanks for clearing that up a bit, cause um, like I said, I was deep into that this weekend, <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks a lot. And if, like I said, I'm I'm looking to meet you guys within a month. Hopefully, everything works out. Oh man, yeah, no doubt. Oh yeah, you be coming down to uh to Miami. Yeah, hey, I got my mind's eye on that. So okay, no doubt, no doubt. Wait, well, thanks for travels, my brother. Same here. Same to you, my brother. Peace. Have Thank a good night. Peace. Thank you, peace. Okay, let's let's go back. I got a couple people at the top that uh, didn't answer. Seven three four six eight six. Seven three four six eight six. You there? It's not. But seven five seven nine six five. You know, y'all making me feel some kind of way. All of these people. Three four seven seven four three. Peace, Jay. Thanks for taking my call again. Um, I had a question I forgot to ask. Uh, now, as far as um, sending in the paperwork, since uh, trans- since I'm already sending in Trinzi versus Pagliaro, um, I'm, I'm sending a copy to the judge, a copy to the clerk. Should I also send a copy to the prosecution? You Even can. Like, doing... I mean, you, yeah, you really don't have to. Like normally, when you're doing that, you'll file it in the court. You'll take copies with you to, to the court, and then you'll have copies for the prosecutor. So when when you get there, cause sometimes they want you to hand it over in, in the court. So normally, I make three sets of copies. Um, so if you want to send a copy to the prosecutor, it ain't gonna hurt nothing, but. I put everything on the record anyways, right? And I take copies of it. That's the most important thing. Okay, so clerk, judge, and one for myself. And possibly the prosecutor. Yep. All right, that's what's up. All right, G. Uh, that's pretty thanks, much thanks for taking the- like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the, the method. I mean, you got you to look at it like this, right? When you're putting documents into the court, right? 
the one thing that you always want to do is make sure that that you have the clerk stamp your document, right? That's the most that's the most important thing. Get copies of the stamp of them speaking, right? And sometimes yes. I yes, see sir. people they 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 mail it, so you they do it like register mail, so then they get the return receipt. Um, but whether you do those two options, that's up to you. Um, but I definitely recommend those two. Past that, prosecutor just having a set in, in the court with you deciding the other two things that you would want to consider doing. So, you know, I mean, if you're so wrong about it, bro, then you don't really miss no steps. You hit everybody. I know people that send paperwork to everybody. They don't care. But you got to remember there is a such thing as the Paperwork Production Act. They don't want them to look at you like a paper terrorist, do Yes, sir. And for the, uh, I, I sent out, um, since they violated the injunction in the first place, when I initially sent out the motion to dismiss, I sent it to the uh, the governor and the sheriff and whatnot, the same people I, I initially sent the uh, formal injunction to. So, you think that hurt anything or? Not really. The, it, it, okay, since the injunction is being violated in the first place? Yeah. I mean... They, the, the, the thing, this is what I tell people, right? They, they, if they violate the injunction, the only way that you can get real remedy for that is to truly be a non-citizen and sue your proper status, proper capacity. Yeah, I rescinded the license. I, I only have one really small piece of contact right now. Still using the social, but uh, that's going to be out the way. Yeah, in the I'm in the middle second, of doing so. that. I just, I just put my request in for them to rescind mine. So you want to make yeah, that's something that's good that you did that rescind that joint. You know, you that's the one that's that's. But you know what? Like I read though, just because you have a driver's license and a social doesn't make you a U.S. citizen. Correct. I listened to y'all the other day. That came from the Department of State, huh? I said I listened to y'all the other day breaking that down. Yeah. So, you know, I mean. But those are still, I, I agree, they are still instruments that we need to get rid of, though. Absolutely. Um, sure. Yes, sir. All right, G, I yield the floor. Thanks for, thanks for the uh, wisdom. All right, no doubt. Say peace to the God. Peace. All right. Car lines is wide open. You want to holler at me? We're going to take a real quick break. We'll come back. Thank you, more people. We're going we're gonna, to... Uh, Gonna make it do what it do. Sitting right here on the bottom line, I'm your host, Joy Bounce L. Bay. Hope y'all been listening tonight, man. A lot of information got dropped. Go back and listen. You know, I'm actively teaching y'all what I'm studying because I, you know, I like to reinforce things. I've been like really on this passport real heavy, having some success. Had a little flop in the beginning, but now we understand the process much better. So with that being said, Carl, like I said, Carl Lawrence is wide open. Y'all want to holler at me? And uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. You're going? First of all, you're going to have to stick to your passions. You're going to have to be true to yourself. Number two, you got to of yourself as human. 
You got to start thinking of yourself as advanced entities. See, the brain or the archetype of the collective consciousness only gives you what you think yourself it is. Right. If you think of yourself just being a motherfucker walking around here just trying to get along and just trying to make it, then that's all you are, cattle. But if you think of yourself as though immortal being, that it is prophesied before the return, then your brain will send that signal to the higher you, and the higher you will produce the armor around you, although it is invisible, it protects you. See what I'm saying? I'm not going to put this on the table again. Let me use paper. Like I said, so you get this on the shape. If you say that you are a normal open from the stoke, walking around here, you are cattle, you are property of the United States government right. under the three fifths of a human being act and they can do what the fuck they want to do with you. Right. As as you've always been. But if you send signals to your higher God self that you are an advanced entity, come back to change this mess, then your body will grow the armor all around you. Now, let you know what I, I'm telling you about. They produce the movie this summer called Spawn. Anybody saw it? You need to go get it. Because in the movie, when the guy came, he said, listen. He said, you've been using your power when you get mad. That's how we do. We get help happening. He said, but you need to start cultivating your energy and knowing who you are. He said, because your, your taste is the body of armor. And your suit is the body of armor. We're talking about your melanin. And the more and more you think, the melanin is only set up for you to think on an advanced, immortal level. Yes. The superhero. The hero comes from what the god Heru. And who is Heru? You are the Heru. How the hell you think they make these things? So when you start thinking of yourself at an advanced, superhero level, or a super Heru, Heru level, then your melanin produces the type of chemical structure or the type of spiritual or etheric structure that is conducive to what the fuck you think it. Alright. Okay. It's a process in a brain computer. What is that? A melanin is a brain computer that produces what you think. But if you, it can't produce so much stuff on the lower level because the melanin is higher than that level. It only produces when you break it to a higher level and start thinking in a higher level, then it produced that. That's why the white boy even know that, who ain't already got no melanin. They teach their children, they into all the Star Wars and the superheroes and the superhero that and the comic books and all that shit. What you perceive yourself is what you are. So you got to stop perceiving yourself as just an everyday Negro. And stop perceiving yourself as sons and daughters of God. Now, ain't no way to hell no sons and daughters of God will be walking around this motherfucker talking about both. You're supposed to be ruling God's systems and universes. So, therefore, you got to start programming the melanin, which is the actual way you program the actual alchemy process. It's thought. The physical is an illusion. It doesn't exist. So, you have to program through thought. Y'all getting it? Let's go on. Let's go on. Let's see. A few other things here. What time is it? Huh? Tune in. Okay. Let's 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 deal with this right now. We're gonna come back. We're gonna come back tomorrow. Let's deal with this. If the religion 
is designed to shut down your God principle. Jung called it the archetypes of the collective unconsciousness. Then what they speak against that, you, that makes you scared of is your actual, actual power. Now what I mean by that is this. We're talking about certain ancient words that you think now has been turned into something negative that it wasn't before. And this is what it means. The word demon that you think is negative is your higher melanated spirit. And give you a case in point on what I'm talking about is this. A brother called me back in 95. He said, I've been going, he said, I've been, I was born with a veil. You know, that's the southern word of, I was born psychic. Right. Or I was a seer. Right. So I was born with a veil and I could see. He said, now ever since I was a little boy, these damn evil spirits been following me. He says about three of them. He said, all my life, he said, I done gone to all kind of people. And those particular people that I have gone to have take, told me all kinds of things to get rid of them. And brother, they still bothering me. What do you know that I can do to stop this? And right then the spirit said, Motherfucker, them ain't no demon. Them his motherfucking boys. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, them your boys, man. You supposed to congratulate them and say, hey, man. Yes, mm-hmm. I understand now. I'm on such a low level to when I look up at what is God now, that scares me because it's remotely different than what I've fallen to. That's heaven coming to get you out of hell and you scared of heaven. I say, greet them. Pull out bases to them and tell them to come on in. He greeted them and pulled out bases and they came up and said, Hey, man. Lord, brother, we've been trying for 37 years to get with you. We used to hang out in a previous life, but you incarnated back into the physical and we are still on this plane. And ever since, and we've been trying to get to you for years, because it's been thousands of years. But what happened was, is you were so ignorant in the other incarnation, but this time when you was born in a veil, you could see us, so therefore we figured we could visit you because you had some type of consciousness. When he was up in that Orthodox Islam, it was calling them gems and shit. He said, we've been trying to get to you since you was a little boy. You are out there what? You see? So what you call demons is called Asgodamian. Like it or not, we all come hardwired with a complete set. Twelve six-packs. The Gnostic demons are units of untamed natural forces within ourselves, our melanated forces, that we have ignored, denied, and disowned. They serve us to do, our, to do their mischief when, when our will is will and is, is ambiguous and our resistance is low. After we have committed an embarrassing act of, unbelie- of unbelievable stupidity, you are really referring to them when you slap yourself and say, I am my own worst enemy. As long as they are ignored, they are uh, uncontrolled, they are dangerous and hungry beasts in, un- in, in an abandoned zoo. Now, what this means is this. What this means is this. The ancient word for that is called agodamian, or demon, which is the melanin spirit. Which is the melanin spirit. I told you about books on Gautier. 
All right, all right, all right, all right. Peace to the gods. Welcome back. Go back to the call line. Let's go to eight three two seven three one on the bottom line. Peace to the gods. Yo, what's going on? What's up, brother? How you doing? Peace to the gods. Hey, much how you doing? It's ready. Peace to the gods. Uh, what's up with you, Reggie? It's all good, brother. Thank you, Ain't nothing jamming, jamming to that, that coming of age with you right there. Ah, man. You know, that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, that, 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 uh, I had a question for you. Uh, that, that, uh, oh. that, that, that process I was doing, that fair credit reporting that I was doing, my administrative yep. process. I have yep. gotten all of the mailings out, but the uh, but the first one, the register mail, it's still sitting in limbo, man. They um, they, it still say in transit on it, but I ain't got the return receipts back from the first from the second two, but that first one is still sitting. So you, you think I'll send a copy? Yeah, it's still sitting. You never got a return receipt back. And I sent that August. No, I sent that like August. I have to. I ain't in the house right now. I think August the twentieth, August the twenty seventh, right after, right, right after I got it, and put it. Have down. you been to the post office? Uh, yeah, I went up there Friday. I went up there Friday and okay, asked so. them. They gave me a runaround and shit, talking about, oh, ain't nothing we can do. You got to contact Renton, Washington, where where the mail is at, and all of that, or contact Consumer Affairs. You might send it again. And you man. call that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Send, send, send. I made a copy of the first letter, so should I just send a copy of, uh, send yep. that copy that I sent yep. the copy on? It's just send that to yep. them. Yep. And yep. that'll be sufficient Let for it. the first mailing still? Yep, yep. Let them receive Okay, it. cool. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. I ain't want to, I ain't want to, uh, you know, mess my process up or nothing like that. Nah, nah, you good, you good. As long as you got you got the mother green slips, and then I will redo that first one. Make sure they get that first one again. Oh. Let them know this this was your first notice that 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 was never received by you. You know that's how you do it. You put the mail okay. number in there too. Let them know this mm-hmm, this was the registered mail number that last or the certified mail number that I sent this to. And y'all y'all have received it, but nobody signed off on it or whatever the situation is. And I'm sending you a copy okay. of the first letter. Boom. Here you go. Okay. And I just make that like a cover letter or include that in the same, on the same, um, well, I got a copy, so I guess it would have uh, to be a cover letter. Yeah, I'll just retype it. Make, it. make okay. it a cover letter. Cool. Okay. I sure appreciate that. Yeah. Look forward yeah, no to problem, seeing buddy. you, man. No doubt. Look forward to seeing you coming down to Miami, right? Yeah, 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 sir. Okay, okay, Reggie, no doubt. All Best right, see you, brother. All Peace right, peace. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.